I want to share from uh, Acts chapter 10 this morning the story of Cornelius and really the movement of the gospel to the Gentiles is what this is about, which most of us are. help in my notes if I started on the right page. Well, okay. Um, this is a story of um, primarily Cornelius and Peter and their interaction. Cornelius is a centurion, uh, Roman soldier, uh, century 100, so that means he was, he was a leader. He was over 100 people. Um, but one day he's He's praying. He's a very devout man, it says. Uh, in fact, it says he's devout, God-fearing, generous, and, and, and he's praying regularly. So we see here a person that um, is, is a noble person, right? Generally, when I think of the Romans, I think of violence. I think of a society that went downhill, partied hard, and died. You know? And so when I, when I put out those presets... It doesn't fit for a man like Cornelius. And that's something that I think maybe needs to be looked at and just acknowledge that regularly we can look at a group of people and just say, well, this is who they are. But, you know, if I apply that to Cornelius, this isn't at all what I think of when I think of Roman soldiers. In fact, you know, the fact that he is devout and godly and chasing God, so to speak. That's not, that's not the first thing that comes to my mind. And that, to me, is important, particularly later in the story. But it says about three in the afternoon, he has a vision, and he sees some very specific things. He's told to go to Joppa and see for a man named Simon, who's also called Peter. You know, he's looking for this guy. And so he takes his vision... And accepts it from the Lord, and is, what, what's declared about him when this angel comes and talks to him? He says, you know, your generosity and your prayers have come up before God, and it's like a sweet offering, a, a, a sacrifice, a memorial offering. And so, you know, you're looking at that and going, I don't know that this man had any awareness before that, of interaction from the Lord saying, man, I, I like what you did today. I don't know that there was anything going on when this prayer was going up, but he's consistent and devout, but it's not necessarily declared that he's having this sense of, boy, I'm doing right now. This is, this is a God moment. But God didn't lose track of that, even though there wasn't necessarily this dialogue. And so at some point, the Lord goes, I'm really happy with this guy. Generous God loves generous people. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, as we read in the Hebrews. So in this setting, this man who has given himself to God, God's suddenly saying, okay, I like this. I want to do something for this man. So he sends him off to find Simon Peter. Now, he sends, three, or sends two of his servants and a soldier to Joppa to go find him. 
and they uh, march in. And, and uh, Now, about the following day at noon, it says, you know, the timing is incredible, Peter, in a separate story here, goes up, he's been staying in a man's house, he goes up on top of the roof to pray, he's hungry, and he falls into a trance, and he, he sees this thing, an angel, and there's a sheet that comes from heaven, and in it are all kinds of animals, birds, and reptiles, and the declaration is made, kill and eat. He's going, no, 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 no. I have never eaten anything impure. Like all of us can say, right? Anyway, the vision comes again. Kill and eat. Now, it could be he's wrestling. Is this just a test? You know, am I, you know, am I being challenged? I don't do that kind of thing, Lord. You can trust me. And finally, the Lord declares to him, don't call anything impure that God has made clean. And so his world is about to be set upside down. He's, he has locked himself in and dialed into his religiousness. He's pursued God wholeheartedly, but his paradigms are about to change. I wonder how often that's, that we're even open to that kind of thing, where the Lord tries to get our attention. We're going, no, 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 I'm not going there. Wouldn't be wise. But God keeps after him, and, and eventually he's, he's, he's chewing on this. And the guys show up at the door. So he knows this is a God moment that even he can't miss. You know, the Lord has worked with him and brought him to this place, and the timing is so incredible that this has to be the Lord. What do we do next? Spirit says to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. Get up and go downstairs. Don't hesitate to go with them, for I've sent them. So he goes down and sees them. Why have you come? Well, they tell the story of Cornelius. He's a righteous man. He's respected by the Jews. You know, you can trust him. So he goes with them. So he, they stay overnight at, his, at the house. The next day they take off. And here's an interesting phrase to me. It says, Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. So he, he's made preparation. He knows God's in this. He doesn't know what's going to happen, but he is... He is locked in, and so he's brought in the family. He's brought in close friends. Even the fact that he would, you know, he'd send this servant off and, and this soldier to go bring in a Jewish guy. What is going on? He says, Peter entered the house, and Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. Peter said to him, get up, stand up, I'm, I'm only a man myself. The Romans had conquered the Jews, and there could have been a moment where Peter's saying, well, it's about time you guys made some kind of act of, of reparation here. 
I mean, that's kind of the big, one of the big things in our culture right now, right? Different tribes, you owe me this. But these wars have been going on for centuries. And the complications of it and the wounds of it, what does Peter do? He's, I'm about something more important. And he says, in that light, I'm only a man. So Cornelius, I assume, could have gotten in grave trouble even bowing down before someone that's been conquered by him, right? What are you doing, going to the other side? You letting go of all this? You're in charge of people. How can you do that? So in an act of humility, he's saying, everything's on the line here. I'm I'm submitting to hear what you have to say. And Peter, in his own form of humility, says, get up, stand up. We're on an equal plane here. We're, We're just two humans standing before God. That's something that, in some ways, needs to be grappled with within our culture right now. There's been a lot of wounding going back and forth, but what's the bottom line? We're still human before God, and and, and everyone in that sense is playing on an equal field. Now, does there need to be apologies here? Well, you'll have to work that through individually. But the truth is, if you enter with an approach of humility, it's not just looking for what you can get. Well, I'm done with that rant. Let's move on. So Peter goes inside, and he says, You're well aware it's against our law for a Jew to associate or visit with a Gentile. So he he addresses one of the major issues right now. He says, I'm not even supposed to be here. So... God show me not to call anyone impure or unclean. That's, I don't have that right. He says, why have you called me? What's this about? So he doesn't know where it's going either. Both sides just know that God's spoken to them. They're just not sure what's going to happen with it. So Cornelius tells the story of how he got there. You know, that's recapped in the next few verses. And then Peter begins to speak. He says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. So that's a powerful concept that needs to be a part of our thinking, right? That there's people out of every people group that have a heart toward God and need to be brought into the fold, so to speak. It's intriguing to me, too, that current Christianity is wrestling with this thing of, well, you know, you're a God-seeker, so that's good for you, and you do it your way. We're God-seekers, so we'll do it our way. That's not where this story goes. Cornelius, the devout man in the Lord, is, is being drawn into the fold, so to speak, with this belief in Jesus Christ. So you don't, you don't just, oh, you're, you know, you're fine, you're fine, you live a noble life, you're generous, you pray, good for you. 
we do this, this is our way. No, when the early Christianity is wrestling with these issues, what's taking place by the Lord? He's brought vision to both people. He's brought their lives together. But what happens next? Peter goes through the history, in a sense, of what Christ did while on earth. He walks through the baptism of John, the baptism unto repentance, remember? Then he talks about Jesus saying, full of the Holy Spirit, healing people, doing good while he was here on earth. Then he walks through the cross, that death. And then he, he goes on, and, and so he's, he's talking about Jesus being the center of things and, and essential for faith and belief in He's not separating. He's not saying, well, well done. I, I know that I can't call you unclean anymore, or, you know. But what's, what's being done? He says, you're being drawn in to what we're participating in. And so he says, you know, he was seen by people after the resurrection and witnesses of this. Now here's the important thing. Verse 42 and 43, he says, He commanded us to preach to people and testify that he is the one whom God has appointed as judge of the living and the dead. So he says there is a role given to Christ that supersedes all others. That every one of us will acknowledge that Jesus is the judge of the living and the dead. He rules over all. He says, the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives the forgiveness of sins through his name. So, this devout man, this man who's been pursuing God, God says it's time for him to come into a full understanding of what this is about. He brings Peter to him. And the, the, the declaration of who Jesus is is brought to this. This is so important to our understanding of, of how we interact with people who pursue God. Ultimately, every knee will bow before Christ. So it's essential that we continue to present that gospel. Now here's an amazing thing. It says, while Peter was still speaking the words... The Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. So he's explaining who Christ is. And then the Holy Spirit demonstrates his power on these. And it's crucial for Peter and the others with him to see this because suddenly they're saying, these people are brought into the same experience that we had. They're speaking in tongues, they're praising God, and there's this awareness that What's happening in them is not secondary. It's not second tier by any stretch. It's the same encounter. So they're not going to be able to dismiss it and go away saying, well, I don't get it, but you know, at least we've told them the message. What's being demonstrated by God is there is a full embracing of these Gentile believers being brought into the kingdom. It says they were astonished. Um, just a little aside note. I don't know. You know, I, in Acts 2, people spoke in foreign languages and others from other areas understood them. 
It doesn't necessarily that there was an understanding going on in this. I don't know. It just, it's one of those things that intrigues me. But they were also praising God at the same time. That was part of, you know, overwhelmed by the presence of God, declaring the praises of God. They, they knew they were having an encounter with God. That's, that's the bottom line of it. But then Peter says, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They've received the Spirit just as we have, so he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. They have been brought into understanding of the salvation of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of sins. They've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit, and they step into acknowledgement of Christianity with their baptism, right? It's like that first step of just saying, dead to old life, arriving anew. Death of Christ means life for me. You know, if you read Romans 6, there's half a dozen things that it declares about the baptism itself as the imagery connected to it. But I look at that, I'm going, okay, Gentile believers, they, they have embraced Jesus Christ, they've received the Holy Spirit, they have participated in baptism. Peter walks away going, they have everything we have. They stepped in. So that's a wonderful story to end, right? Uh, it's not quite done. The next chapter, yeah, neither am I. <laughs> Getting there. The next chapter, he goes home. And, uh, of course, he's got to answer some questions. He, there's a lot of criticism. What were you thinking? Why did you do this? You just decide to go off the deep end? You go out on your own and do something that, you know, you can imagine all the questioning going on. Now, they've, they've been growing like crazy. There's thousands of believers. And he goes off. What happened? Well, Peter comes back and he tells them the whole story. You know, how, how dramatic this was in the Lord. And he says, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had in us at the beginning. And I remember what the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He says, this is what Christ told us would happen. Who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? <laughs> it's always better to get out of the way, right? So that said, when they heard this, they had no further objections, but praised God, saying, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Another ending to our beautiful story. Not quite. A couple more verses. So the, the great persecution that sent people all over the place pushed them out of Jerusalem. No longer the the hub because they're, they're being put to death. Well, some, <laughs> they take Peter's thing to the next level. Okay? They go out, and you're going, well, Peter talked, let's talk to the Greeks. Let's talk to 
Let's talk to anyone. Tell them the work of Christ. And so they go to Antioch, they start sharing, and it says a great number accepted the Lord. So the gospel has gone from within Judaism to suddenly it is out. And the opportunity for everyone to participate is beginning to be understood. Now that issue is going to be wrestled through in chapters ahead and, and you know, in the next years, the church is wrestling with, what do we do with this group? They don't know anything when they come to the Lord. I mean, they, they don't have the basic idea of what's right and wrong. What are, we, what are you going to tell them? And so that, that's all later. But it's like, God says, yeah, I'm not interested in just having you figure it all out before we get started. I'm doing this now. Peter says, we got to get out of the way and let it happen. We'll pick up the pieces later. You know, it's, it's just so amazing to me to, you know, you, you walk through this and you're going, okay, God loves all of us. And his desire is to speak into each and every heart. We tend to put up barriers and say, well, that group, you know, they're pretty resistant to the gospel. Or that group, they're living so profane, they would never turn. That group, you know, it's... and in a story like this, those walls are just broken down. I, uh, I was, you know, in, in going through this again, you're just startled, so to speak, of God's ability to go beyond what we expect as believers. You know, that generally we get a pretty clear idea, we think, of how he's working. And it's a little uncomfortable when he just starts doing something different. And yet, that's what's before us. And that's what continues to lie before us. Because times change, values change in groups, and you're kind of going, that's disgusting. And yet, God's heart is for each and every one. Finally, again, his desire is to bring them into an understanding of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's a value we never dismiss. Beyond that, it all gets to us turned and changed. But that's the core of what we believe. Thank you, Lord, for your scripture and these truths that speak life to us. Ask, Lord, for an awareness that a devout life in you is not left without your recognition and care and appreciation and gifts as a result. I also ask, Lord, that it's, as believers who have been in this for a while, that you would help us to see with your eyes and be willing to make the changes that you desire to see others come in to know you. And Lord, then we ask too that you'll help us never to abandon the core of our belief through your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. I was talking with someone this week and we were kind of chuckling. Um, I've forgotten who it was, but um, 
When I was in college, uh, I grew my hair long, like everyone else my age, uh, as a sign of independence and free thinking. We all acted like everyone else. Uh, I had to get it cut three times so I could go through the graduation line because I kept, you know, micro until they finally said, okay. Uh, doesn't matter. But when I, when I look at your generation with tattoos or smoking a pipe or stuff like that, I'm disgusted. <laughs> About like my folks were. Um, but at the same time, uh, like you can look at us with our styrofoam cups and our overeating. You know, I, it, it's all, each generation has their thing. But we need to be seeing things with the eyes of Christ and to be looking to see his work done in each and every heart. When we look around our country and we see the, the division, say with Native American or African American or white, you know, all of that, we need to look with the eyes of Christ and not be caught up by all the rhetoric. You know, we, we, by nature, draw so many lines that keep us from reaching out to those who are really ready to respond. You know, the beauty of this story was that both ended up getting it right. You know, uh, Peter uh, went to a place he wasn't supposed to go to. Cornelius humbled himself and called out to someone who he shouldn't have been even listening to. And God's power was revealed in that moment. And and there was a wonderful inclusion in the body of Christ as a result of that. God, help us to see with your eyes. I'm going to praise you. Go out. Uh, remind you there's a meal downstairs. What remains is open-ended worship. May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy that your generosity knows no bounds. I ask as each one goes into the community that you give them words of life to speak over others. I ask that you'll enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. Gift them with the supernatural as well, I pray. Be lifted up and exalted, O Lord, we pray. We love you this day. Amen. Amen. God bless you.